Having a surgery planned or elective is concerning. There's so many questions and concerns. I know I had a total knee replacement surgery a year ago, and while my surgeon in the facility where I was having the procedure were awesome in providing those prep documents and answering my questions, I was still anxious. I remember creating these scenarios about what could happen and wanting to ask additional questions to put my mind at ease, but I was hesitant to do so. Don't hesitate and ask the questions you need. This is happening to you. Be your own advocate and remember that a well-informed patient tends to be more satisfied with the outcome or results of a procedure. Are you tired of the high cost of healthcare? Are you overwhelmed trying to navigate a complicated healthcare system? Welcome to Get Savvy, demystifying healthcare weekly podcast where we take complicated healthcare topics and make them simple. Imagine if you could stop feeling paralyzed with fear and frustration and instead be empowered to make smart healthcare decisions for you and your family. Get Savvy with your host, Sandy Kibling, a healthcare professional changing how healthcare knowledge is shared. Hello, and thank you for joining today for episode 17, Questions, Cost, and Expectations for Elective Surgery. There are two types of surgeries. One, emergent surgery, where perhaps you have appendicitis and you are rushed to surgery to remove your appendix. And two, elective or planned. Let's say you're having a total knee replacement and you are electing to do this and can plan the timeframe you would like to have this done. This will be the focus in this podcast. Today, we will discuss, one, you're thinking about an elective surgery, questions to ask. Two, the cost of surgery, options for managing your out-of-pocket cost. Three, you've scheduled your surgery, what to expect. Many will undergo surgery each year. It is important to be informed about the surgery being recommended as an elective or planned surgery. All surgeries have risks and benefits. It's important to understand them before deciding whether the procedure is appropriate for you. Let's dig in. You're thinking of an elective surgery, questions to ask. The following are important questions to review with your healthcare provider before surgery. Ask your healthcare provider to explain the answers clearly and ask for further explanation if you are having trouble understanding an explanation and or any medical terms. Some people find it helpful to write their questions down ahead of time or ask to record the visit so you can review later and or with a supporting partner or caregiver. As a reminder, I'm not providing clinical but rather practical advice. I worked at a large health insurance company and worked with many physicians as well as had my own total knee surgery. So I hope this information provides some enlightenment for you. Why is surgery needed? Well, reasons to have surgery may vary from relieving or preventing pain or improving body function. Ask your healthcare provider to specifically explain why the procedure is being recommended for, for you and make sure you understand how this may improve your medical condition and meet your health goals. For me, when I, was, when I made a decision for my total knee surgery, I was tired of living with the pain, shouting at my husband to slow down or grabbing the car door as I exited the car to minimize the pressure on the knee that was bone on bone. I wanted relief and to live without pain. I was told that I was too young or to wait it out, which for me was not an option, so I made a list of my questions to discuss with my surgeon. What are alternatives to surgery? Are there other treatment choices available based on your current medical condition? 
In some cases, medicine or non-surgical treatments such as lifestyle changes may be as helpful in improving a condition. Your healthcare provider should clearly explain the benefits and risks of these choices so that you can make an informed decision about whether or not surgery is necessary. Here's an example. Sticking with our total knee surgery, the process may be one, uh, your provider may prescribe pain relief cream, usually with lidocaine, to numb the knee to provide some relief. Two, steroid injections, which may or may not work. And three, surgery. If you decide to try these, or you may be required to do this per your health insurance, there may be a period of watchful waiting. This is a period of time your healthcare provider will monitor your condition and observe changes and the progression of a condition. An example, x-rays may be taken yearly to observe the status of the knee, and when it becomes bone-on-bone and surgery now becomes the best option. What are the benefits of the surgery and how long will those benefits last? It is important that your healthcare provider outline the specific benefits of having surgery for you. You should also ask how long the benefits typically last. Some benefits only last a short time and could possibly need a second operation, while others may last a lifetime. Also, ask your healthcare provider about published information regarding the outcomes of the recommended procedure. This will allow you to make an informed decision and have realistic expectations about the surgery. For my knee surgery, I wanted to know how long it would last, and if I needed a revision, what were the possibilities, especially since I was having it at a younger age, than typically advised. What are the risks and possible complications of having the operation? Surgery always carries some risks, so it is important to weigh the benefits against the risks before surgery. Ask your healthcare provider to outline the possible complications, such as infection and bleeding, and possible side effects that could follow the procedure. You should also discuss pain and the threshold of pain you may experience and ways to manage any pain that may follow the procedure. Weigh the odds if you do not have that operation. If you decide if you decide after weighing the benefits and risks of the surgery not to have the surgery, what will happen? You need to know whether the condition will worsen or if there's a possibility that it may resolve itself. How does this impact your quality of life, goals, travel, and living with pain daily? Should you get a second opinion? Well, in certain cases, some health plans may require you to have a second opinion before undergoing elective surgery. Your healthcare provider should be able to supply you with the names of qualified individuals who also do the procedure. How can you review a provider you're considering for your surgery? Well, you can ask your primary health care provider, your local medical society or health insurance company for information about the health care provider or surgeon's experience with the procedure. Ask about the health care provider or surgeon's credentials and whether he or she has any additional certifications or experience in doing the procedure. Make certain the health care provider or surgeon is affiliated with an accredited health care facility. When considering surgery, where it is done is often as important as who is doing the procedure. You can also review physicians using the following tools. ZocDoc. ZocDoc has search options where you can search by location, specialty, or condition. You can review stars on overall rating, wait time, and bedside manner. And this is one of my favorites since it comes from consumers or patients who've had care provided by this particular provider. 
And I believe if people take the time to write a review, then they are typically passionate about sharing good or bad. Health grades and vitals are two other options, which are also free options, and they boast that they have up to 10 million patient ratings. You can search by provider, location, or procedure. I'll make sure and put links to these in the show notes. Now, I'm sure that there are many other questions that you may think about asking or have. I have some great resources I'll provide in in the show notes. If you are wanting more details, make sure and check those out. The cost of surgery, options for managing your out-of-pocket cost. When you hear that you need a procedure like a colonoscopy or a hip surgery, one of your first thoughts is probably, can I afford it? The cost of your medical procedure may even determine whether or not you get it. This also impacts your quality of life if you're living with chronic pain and limited activity that may have adverse effects on your overall health. You are not alone. Many Americans have trouble affording the medical procedures they need. Patients with health insurance worry about how they'll afford their deductible, while uninsured patients are concerned about whether they'll be able to pay for the total cost of of a medical procedure out of pocket. In fact, according to the American Bankruptcy Institute, healthcare costs are the number one reason why people file for medical bankruptcy. While there are many moving parts that affect the cost of healthcare in the U.S., one thing is certain. If you need care, you should be able to get it without worrying about how you're going to pay. So with that in mind, let's take a closer look at how you may be able to reduce the cost of your medical procedure while still getting high quality care. Because health plans vary in their coverage of different procedures, there may be costs you will be responsible for. You will need to know what the specific cost of the operation will be and how much your insurance or health plan will cover. Before you have your surgery, discuss the cost with someone from the finance department at your healthcare provider's office. These costs may include the following. One, the surgeon's fee, also called the professional fee. Basically, you're paying for your surgeon's expertise and time in performing the surgery. Two, hospital fees if you need hospitalization or ambulatory surgical center fees for outpatient services. Check with the facility's business office regarding these rates. Your healthcare provider or surgeon should be able to give you an approximate idea of how long you will be in the hospital so you can confirm that cost as well. Three, separate billing for other services. You may also be billed separately for the professional services of others who might be involved in your care, such as the assisting surgeon, anesthesiologist, and other medical consultants. Check with your health plan before surgery to be certain of what portion of the cost you will be responsible for. If your anticipated costs present a problem, discuss other financial solutions with your healthcare provider before the surgery. You can also reduce costs by having your medical procedure done at an outpatient facility. So what is an outpatient facility? It is a medical facility that performs procedures that do not require an overnight stay in a hospital or care facility. It may be referred to as an ambulatory surgery center. Now, a couple decades ago, most medical procedures had to be performed as an inpatient procedure at a hospital. This included at least one overnight stay and a subsequently higher medical bill. Now you have more affordable options. In fact, Kaiser Health News found that over two-thirds of operations performed in the U.S. occur in ambulatory surgery centers. Without the high cost of running a hospital to factor into your medical bill, Outpatient facilities can provide you provide the same healthcare services at a much lower cost. As an example, an average for total knee cost in Illinois at a facility, 
the cost at a hospital would be $19,404, whereas if it were done in an ASC, it would be $14,727. I found this great article that actually shows the pricing uh, for all states in uh, Becker's News, so I'll make sure and link to that for you. Now, you may be wondering whether outpatient facilities are as safe as hospitals. The reality is that they are safe for most people and most procedures. They are easier on the budget and just as safe as hospitals. Now, this might sound too good to be true, but it's not. You can save thousands of dollars just by having your procedure done at a standalone or outpatient facility. I will attach a resource where you can read more about outpatient centers. And as always, consult with your physician as they understand your conditions and can help you understand the best options for your surgery. Another way you can save cost is to stay in network and consider the timing of your surgery. So if you have health insurance, you can save a lot of money by knowing what your insurance will pay for and what they won't. One of the most important benefits is to be aware of what is what your insurance covers both in-network and out-of-network care. Checking ahead of time to make sure your surgeon and facility are in-network are essential, and this can be as simple as a call to your provider's office and or health insurance company. Two additional things to keep in mind. One, RAP, or R-A-P, which stands for Radiologist, Anesthesiologist, and Pathologist. These particular specialties work on a rounding schedule. So you may not know who your anesthesiologist is until the day before, and in fact, may only meet him or her just prior to your surgery. In some cases, the provider may be out of network, resulting in an expensive bill for you. Now, you can try calling the facility the day before to confirm. You may also be protected should you get a, a bill with the No Surprises Act, a law that went into effect 1-1-2022, protecting you from out-of-network bills. More on that in Episode 7, No Surprises Act, just say no to out-of-network bills. Two, timing of your surgery. Schedule this if possible once you've met your deductible. As a reminder, a deductible is the amount you pay for covered health services before your insurance plan starts to pay at 100%. Example, with a $5,000 deductible, you pay the first $5,000 of covered services yourself. But once paid, your insurance should pay at the pay for the medical services at 100%. This is often why ASCs and surgeons are particularly busy at the end of the year since most have met their deductible by then. So if you're considering this time frame, make sure you schedule well in advance so you can get the time slot you need. Another way you can uh, keep the cost down is to research options for a fair price. Make sure you research facility costs. These do vary. They vary because of the negotiated rates that facility has in their contract with the health insurance companies. In my physician consulting role, I work with health insurance companies on behalf of physician groups renegotiating contracts every day. And I can tell you for certain that these rates do vary and you no doubt want to find the most affordable option while getting quality care. Here's a few ways you can do that. Fair Health Consumer. You can actually go to fairhealthconsumer.org where their mission is to help you understand your healthcare cost and coverage and bring transparency to healthcare cost overall. I find their data to be pretty reliable as the cost estimates are based on claims for medical and dental services paid for by private insurance plans by the country's largest insurers. Another option is Turquoise Health. It is another free pricing tool which allows you to browse by procedures, provider, or by insurance company and location. Now, until 2021, hospitals were not required to publish rates for services, but that landscape has changed and consumers now have more power. 
So make sure you check out these free tools. Other options to consider. You can ask your provider's office and facility if they have a discount if you're self-paying. Also, if you're struggling to pay, you can still ask for a discount and a payment plan. Another thing to consider is prescriptions. We know that prescription medication can be expensive, and many doctors prescribe the brand name of the drug without thinking much about it. If you're insured, you may only have a small prescription copay. But if you don't have health insurance and need medication, you could be faced with a choice between paying thousands of dollars per month or going without your prescription. I covered more details about pricing in episode 11, Pricing Your Procedure, Tips for Reducing Cost. You've scheduled your surgery, what to expect. The day before surgery, you will likely get calls from the facilities and perhaps the anesthesiologist the night before your planned surgery. A representative from the facility may call reminding you to not eat and drink after a certain period of time and reminding you to use the surgical wash soap the night before to make sure you're clean and therefore reducing infection. You may also get a call from the anesthesiologist. As a reminder, you can schedule well in advance for your surgeon and the facility where you will have surgery. You cannot schedule in advance member RAP, RAP, radiologist, anesthesiologist, and pathologist as these specialties round, and they may not know their schedules until three to five days in advance of a patient they are caring for. Your anesthesiologist may call the night before confirming the process for your surgery and asking if you have any questions. Make sure you ask all your questions and if applicable advice of any adverse conditions or concerns you may have. This is so important so your anesthesiologist can adjust treatment accordingly. I know I had a bad experience with anesthesia in 2000 and shared this with my anesthesiologist. He asked questions about my experience and said he would take this into consideration. My experience for my total knee surgery was amazing with no adverse effects. And yes, my anesthesiologist was awesome, but I also attribute this to my self-advocacy and good communication. Arriving at the hospital. You will be instructed to arrive at the hospital usually one to two hours prior to your scheduled surgery. Make sure you plan accordingly and arrive as advised. A hospital or ambulatory surgery center are busy and schedule surgeries in advance and in consideration of the time it takes to prep a patient and the duration of the surgery. So it is important to meet this timeline so you are not rushed and that this doesn't impact the surgeon's schedules and other patients. Preoperative care. Once you arrive and check in, the admitting nurse will call you back and bring you into a pre-slash-post-op room. You're permitted to have one to two visitors with you. Now, this may vary based on COVID protocol and the process for the facility where you are having your surgery, but I believe some of these more restrictive requirements have gone away as of this recording. Once at the facility, your nurse will complete your admission assessment, start an IV, and answer any questions you may have about your procedure. Your anesthesiologist will also stop in to see you. He or she will also come into your pre-op room to talk to you before and after your surgery. The anesthesiologist will describe the process, and again, this is a good time to ask any questions or address any concerns you may have. You may also be cared for by a certified registered nurse anesthetist, also known as a CRNA, who works with your anesthesiologist. Once those visits are completed, you'll be given a general anesthesia, IV sedation, regional anesthesia, or local anesthesia. Your nurse will give you pre-surgery medication to your IV, and you may start to feel relaxed and drowsy. During your surgery, 
When it's time for your procedure, operating room staff will come to your pre-op room to get you. When you reach the operating room, you'll be moved onto an operating table. Your vitals will be monitored during your procedure. You'll wear a heart monitor, an automatic blood pressure cuff, and a clip on your finger to measure your oxygen levels. At this time, you'll receive the anesthesia that will put you to sleep. After you are asleep, a tube may be placed in your mouth to help you breathe. If spinal anesthesia is planned for your procedure, the nurses will help you into a sitting position. The anesthesiologist will numb the skin on your back so he or she can inject the medication into your spine. You will not be able to feel or move anything below your waistline. The feeling will return gradually after surgery. Recovery. When you wake up, you will be in the post-anesthesia care unit, also called a PACU, and also in some, on some occasions may be called a recovery room. A nurse will be with you to continue monitoring your blood pressure, pulse, breathing, pain level, and incision or dressing. Once you are fully awake, you'll return to the pre-post-op room where you started. If you need to stay overnight, you'll be taken to an inpatient room on another floor. If you're ready for discharge, your nurse will go over your care instructions, medications, and follow-up appointments. I hope this information has provided some value to you as you are planning a surgery for yourself or a loved one. Make sure you check out the resources as well as the transcript that I always provide in the show notes for those who prefer to have a printable copy to read. In our next episode, we are going to discuss value-based care, the care you deserve. Often in the podcast, I talk about providing you with knowledge to navigate the healthcare system and options for affordability. In the next episode, I want to talk about a change in perspective and a healthcare shift that is long overdue that results in quality outcomes for you. Until then, get savvy.